It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure to click the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like and comment on the episode. Let us know what you think about it. If there's questions that I didn't ask that you'd like us to have the guest back on to discuss, or if there's a guest that we should have on to talk about Cummins, Duramax, Power Stroke Performance, other things going on in Diesel, we're always checking YouTube comments. Love to hear from you guys and then be able to take your suggestions and get them onto future episodes. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Ryan. Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance. I wanted to catch up with them after his recent race at Lights Out 14, talk about the car, um, qualifying as number one, some of the challenges that they had, and also go in depth with some things pertaining to rules and things that he needs to overcome to be able to get the car where he wants it to be. We're also going to talk about diesel performance and really how it almost had to die to be reborn and some barriers that have existed um, with the newer trucks and being able to really make the new trucks fun like the old ones used to be and have that power and performance that we've always wanted. So it's going to be a great conversation. Before we get to it, though, I want to give a shout out to some of our sponsors. The first is, is DMAX Store. And if you have a Duramax and whether it's an LB7 all the way to L5P, those guys know those trucks. That's what they specialize in. It's what they drive. And so if you're looking to make sure your truck lasts as long as it can, performs up to your expectations, just keeping it on the road, those are definitely the guys to reach out and talk to, um, whether it's about anything to do with the engine, suspension, power train um definitely reach out to those guys let them know that you heard about them on the diesel podcast ask them questions they're more than happy to help you and make sure you get the parts that you need and the upgrades to be able to keep your truck going go to dmaxstore.com or reach out to them at 877 for my dmax also our friends over at kershaw knives have a 20 percent off code for you so if you're in the market for a knife something for edc or hunting fishing um, at the job site throwing a toolbox something like that they've got something for any budget and they have a 20% off code, which is 20diesel. So use that at kershaw.kaiusa.com. Save 20%. Great way to get some cool gear, save some money. And uh, if you're a knife enthusiast or into different type of blade steels and handle materials, opening mechanisms, they've got you covered. Or you just need something to work hard. So definitely take advantage of it. All right, let's get to today's episode with Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, talking about his race car, diesel performance, and some cool new things he's going to have coming out for the 6.7 Cummins. Ryan, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. I, I always look forward to chatting with you. Um, the last one we did was about uh, a really cool story and some insights you gave us into your business and some changes and things and emissions and all that. But today, I really wanted to focus most of our conversation on all what I saw this whole last weekend, which was Lights Out 14 and your car and some... I mean, really good performances that you put on. So welcome back to the podcast. Look forward to chatting with you. Thank you, man. Uh, yeah, Lights Out 14 is the baddest race of the year. Um, I'm really glad we were able to do as good as we did. It's kind of like the benchmark race of the year. The, you know, Before all the other races popped up, Lights Out was pretty much the Super Bowl of radial tire drag racing. So um, I didn't quite get everything accomplished that I wanted to get accomplished, but I knocked a lot of stuff off the list and um, you know, even though we went out in the semifinals, I still left with a big old smile on my face. Well, I remember years ago when you talked with me about building that car and I think it was somewhere in Georgia, I don't remember the race where you took it and you're talking to us about, Hey, this is the future. I've got to get this engine, this power into, you know, a car and, and 
I remember that conversation to watching him be the number one qualifier. And I think I was, was following the Hotshot Secrets kind of live feed that Kyle yeah. was doing yeah. and everything. So walk us through that weekend a little bit. Kyle's Kyle's like my number one fangirl out there walking around <laughs> with the camera. He's such an awesome dude. Yeah, the, the race in Georgia you're talking about was this race. This race is in uh, Valdosta, Georgia, South Georgia Motorsports Park. It's like the Super Bowl of radial tire drag racing. Um, you know, there's hundreds of competitors across probably, I don't know, six, eight, ten different classes. Um, we raced in one of the more premier, uh, faster radial tire racing classes. And, um, you know, it's it's been a – I've been doing this since 2017 with, um, you know, with my Cummins-powered race cars. And we went from being the, the laughing stock, you know, the other guys saying, you know, look at this idiot. What, you know, what is he even trying to accomplish? That's just going to make a mess. It's never going to work. You know, he ruined that car. I couldn't even tell you how many times I've heard that. To um, now these guys are throwing rules at me left and right because we're going too fast. So it's actually it makes me snicker when you know these other guys are saying, "Well, that car has way too much power." I'm like, "What? Say, say that again? What did you say?" <laughs> you know, like one more time. I just I just want to hear it again. You know, <laughs> so um, more so than the racing, it's really just proving that you know our engines are not just meant for agricultural and <laughs> heavy duty use. They can actually go fast. Uh, and they do have lots of power and um, they can be made to be very reliable, uh, you know, at extreme power. A lot of these guys are confused how I can go three, four and five rounds of racing with the only reason I need to pull my hood off is to put more fuel in it. You know, these other guys have have the heads off. They're, st they're stuffing pistons in, you know, overnight so, so they can race two rounds the next day. And I'm walking around drinking beer in my flip flops. Uh, at the pits watching these guys work so hard and I you know I like to stick my head in and say you know if you put a Cummins in that you wouldn't be doing that right now um and usually they, you know I get the middle finger and told to f off they're all my buddies so um it's a good time you know talk to us a bit about the engine because reliability part is was that do you think that was the main thing holding it back at the start was just how to make a setup last through these passes and at these power levels going this quick yeah, and it hasn't so much been reliability on the engine, although I do have the cylinder head off the car right now. Um, it's not broken. It's just it turns out that at the extreme exhaust temperatures that I run and the the, the RPM that I run and just the abuse that I do to these engines, um, my exhaust valves uh, are a wearable item. We haven't been able to find a manufacturer whose valves will live. So basically, regardless of how badass the valves are, how good the valve job is or whatever, after 60, 60 or 80 passes of 2,200 plus degree EGT and 3,000 horsepower, the exhaust valves just get tired. Um, so they're out of the car right now. We we pulled the car out of the trailer Monday morning, shipped the cylinder head to Freedom Racing Engines that day. Uh, should be delivered today. Uh, they'll probably turn it, and I might even have it back for this weekend. Um, so, But other than that, other than my exhaust valves, the engine is pretty damn reliable. Um, what tends to break is everything bolted to the engine. And I mean, we've had transmission input shafts, uh, output shafts. Um, I have, uh, blown up, I blew up four turbos last year, uh, two sets of leaf springs last year, three drive shafts last year. Um, knock on wood, I haven't broke the rear end yet, but you know, it just seems like this engine is just this big dumb animal strapped into the hood of this car and it's just ready to make parts fly like whether it's the car 
that's going to haul ass down the track or parts are going to fly off either way like there is tremendous horsepower to be had in this in this little 415 cubic inch inline six <laughs> well i saw at the uh i think on, on the live feed it seemed like the only issue you had that as far as parts was a drive shaft over the weekend yep we did get another drive shaft um and compliments to pst they make a badass drive shaft the drive shaft that failed was not a drive shaft failure it was actually a u-joint failure and then the drive shaft just got its ass beat and went for a ride and came out in multiple pieces underneath the car because it wasn't attached at both ends where it was supposed to be anymore so um those of you who have been following the car it was a leaf spring car last year um you know we had tons of struggle with that basically we we're just too heavy and too much power for leaf springs so we four linked the car and i've never had a four link uh race car you know radio tire car so we are learning what it wants if you look at some pictures i've got the front end up in the air and the back is squatting you look at some other pictures i've got the nose buried in the rear way up in the ground up in the air and you look at pictures from this weekend i've got the whole car off the ground like it's a, a monster truck riding down the road right <laughs> um and that's just us playing with different suspension settings moving the bars around and learning what the car wants well the current setup has the rear suspension extending about six inches from ride height. And what that does is that takes trans, this is transmission here. Here's drive shaft, right? At ride height, it's sitting at zero or maybe even up a little bit because we have the car pretty low to the ground. But when we extend it six inches, it puts seven plus degrees of angle on this 1480 drive shaft. And that is a ton of side load on the little needle bearings inside the caps. So what happens is when you put 3,000 horsepower to the ground repeatedly at that seven degree angle, your front U-joint becomes a wearable item. And that was something that we've never looked, I've never worn out a U-joint, but I've also never ran down the track with that much power and that much angle. So, um, you know, after the fact, we looked and saw that the U-joint had failed and the drive shaft just got annihilated after that because it's carbon fiber they're meant to take torsional load right they're not meant to be swung around like hammers only attached to one end of a of an axle that's going 130 miles an hour and it just you know everything it beat it just basically exploded so it beat up the inside of my tunnel and my race car pretty good um i'm chatting with the guys at 10 soldiers right now it's still functional but it's ugly <laughs> so and they did a beautiful job on that tunnel i'm gonna see if i can take the car back up to them and reskin it um, and then possibly uh, this summer also have my paint fixed, you know, for my turbo failures on the side. And there's a lot of little things we got to do to the car to make it pretty again. But um, one thing's for certain is she is she is fast right now. So um, what, now as far as after, you know, the event, what are some goals you have before you take the car out again? Is, is it is it time speed? Is it you know, winning the next one? What what are you shooting for? Winning, winning anything would be cool. Um, you know, we've, <laughs> we've, we've swung for the fences a lot. Uh, this race was the furthest we've made it in a big race like that. We have won a couple races with the car. We won a couple races with my other car, but all of us been small local stuff, you know, um, nothing to that caliber. So, um, we are currently seventh in points. Um, so leaving that event as, you know, we were number one qualifier all the way to the fourth round where Friday night, a couple cars were able to come around me. I fully expected it because the fastest I could make the car go and qualifying was a 419. Um, I swung for it again and ran a 421. I put the moon tune up in it or what I thought was the moon tune in it and went uh, 420 flat. 
um, and I just could not get the car to go any faster. So we had tremendous horsepower out the back. We're showing like a 136 average back split, which is the average time from the 330 cone to the 660 cone, which typically more than mile per hour is how these rule makers are looking at um, how much power these cars make. Your average back split for a turbo X275 car is between 138 and 142. So us running a 136 back split puts us way outside of the average um, of, of how fast everybody else is going. And the reason that's important is the fastest I was able to go this weekend was a 111 60 foot. And that is leaving on everything that I've got. Car will not go faster to the 60 foot with horsepower or any converter settings I can change, any shock settings, any, anything I can change, the car will not go faster to the 60 foot. Um, and the fast other turbo cars are running 103 to 106. So I'm behind the curve on the 60 foot and having to make it up on the top end of the track. And everybody else in the class and the rule makers are aware of that. So what I have to do is I have to make the car faster to the 60 foot because they are going to take power away from me. I know they are. They've already told me they are. Um, I don't know exactly where they'll land yet, but they have to get my back split back into check to run the same or similar back splits as everybody else. So I'm not, you know, if everybody is the average here and you've got this one car that's way up here on back split, that needs to be brought down to the average because at the end of the day, we are class racing. It's not index racing, but there is an unspoken index that all these cars need to fall within or they'll be penalized and reeled back in. Uh, <clears throat> so all that being said, uh, I have an, a new gear set on order um, from M&M Transmissions. Uh, I was leaving in 134 second gear. So the gear ratio I had in a transmission is a 177 first, 134 second, and third is always direct in a turbo 400. I was leaving in second gear, which is 134 to one. My rear ratio is 273 to one, giving me a start line ratio of 3.65 to one, which is like, that's like the equivalent of you jumping on a mountain bike and trying to take off uphill in 21st gear. Like it's just so much, it doesn't matter how strong your legs are and how much traction you have with the tires. You can't turn that crankshaft because you have too much ratio, right? Now, once you get going, you can haul ass, right? But getting it moving off the start line is very difficult. So um, the gear set that I ordered, uh, and I'm hoping it'll be here before the end of the week so we can slam it in this weekend, um, is a 151-126. So I will actually leave in 151 first gear, uh, and I can do the math real quick on what ratio that ends up being on a start line. But So 1.51 times 2.73 is a 4.12 ratio divided by 3.65. It's 13% more mechanical advantage on the start line when I let go of the button. Um, so I, if I could leave at the exact same power I'm leaving at now, the car will go tremendously faster to the 60 foot. But the idea is to leave on less power, let the ratio do its job, get the car faster to the 60 foot, and then turn on all the power I have once I'm a little further out and have the torque converter locked up. And then, then we can be fast in the front, the middle, and the back, and hopefully figure out some reliability because that's what it takes to win these races. Just because you can go fast on a Thursday or Friday night qualifying track doesn't mean that you're going to go fast Saturday morning when the sun is, you know, directly above your head, track temps 135 and the glue is gooey, right? So, and that's where I lost the race this last weekend against County, uh, Kenny Hubbard was, um, you know, in the sun, Sunday morning, we're in the semifinals, 
I knew what kind of tune-up he had loaded up. I had no choice but to leave the moon tune in from last night. And there was like probably a less than 10% chance that I was going to stick that tire through the 60 foot. And so, I mean, I let go of the button, pretty much knew exactly what was going to happen. And it did. It went out 10, 15 foot and spun um, just because my car is slow to the 60 foot and tries to pour on so much horsepower down track. And the fact that I'm 450 pounds heavier than Kenny Hubbard's car. So um, we are actively shopping for some carbon doors for the car to get lighter. Um, my request at the rule makers is if you're going to take power away from me, take a little more power away and let me get lighter because a, a lighter, more consistent race car with the proper gear ratios will be more better all said and done. So uh, we're close. We're really, really close. Um, but we're just not quite there yet on the combo. So before the uh, next race, we're looking to put gears in it. Um, I'm hoping to have the carbon doors on it weigh a little less than we do now and, uh, you know, really get some stuff sorted out. And then we're going to park the car for the summer because we don't radio race. It's too hot. You know, we, the, it just doesn't work in the summertime. So um, April through basically September, um, I have some time to pull the car down, pull it apart, get some paint work done, um, you know, fix my burnt fender, fix all my dings and dents and all the stuff that I've done to it over the last two years and um, really kind of come out uh, in the fall with hopefully all the little issues sorted out and everything really ready to party. There, there might be some confusion for people out there that aren't super into racing. They might not understand the rules and having to pull power out. Can you explain a little bit about the challenge that is to you? Because I don't think there's any other diesel vehicle that's out there doing this or, or doing what you're doing. So it's not, almost like there's not in, not in class racing yet. There is a, we've got frosty out there running uh, the pro truck. No time. They're doing really well with that thing. Um, we do have our Ranger, um, Johnny Montesino in the diesel garage has his, it's, it's his Ranger, but you know, I've been a part of it for so long. It might as well be our Ranger now. Right. Um, <laughs> I've even driven it a few times, but, uh, he came out in LDR trim limited drag radio, which is the next faster class to me with his Ranger, um, had an amazing first couple passes and testing. We had a mechanical failure on the engine, which set us back, um, you know, basically something we couldn't fix at the track. And uh, so we're hoping to have him back out soon. But yeah, so get back to your question. Um, there is a lot of uh, displaced hate, I would say, going on the Internet when when the new rules come out and they see that they've either added weight to me or took power away. And that goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, my car weighs thirty three hundred and fifty pounds minimum which means we go across the scales at about 3360, 3365, depending on fuel level and basically what I had for lunch and all that stuff. So um, but we have to be above 3350. So we give ourselves about a 10 pound weight variance, right? To, to make sure we make weight. Um, so you jump on Wallace racing calculator and you punch in 3,365 pounds. And the fact that we went 181.35 miles an hour, that is 3,100 horsepower. Um, at the flywheel or like 28 and some change at the tire. And we do that every pass, right? So now you punch in the other guys' times, right? Uh, the next fastest turbo car, uh, well, it was a, um, a 2JZ inline six cylinder and he went 179, right? So you punch in his weight and you look at how much power that car makes. And 
Then you go to the, you know, the turbo V8 cars that aren't allowed to use nitrous. The inline six can use nitrous. And that's their big complaint is how come I only get a turbo and he gets turbo and nitrous. And then, then I go out and the next fastest turbo V8 car only goes 174 where I've got seven miles an hour on the next fastest V8 turbo car. So this causes a, a, an unfair disadvantage to the other racers because this is class racing. We have what's called class parity. So the rule maker uh, or the class, uh, I don't know what you call him, class daddy, right? John Sears, um, his job is to maintain class parity. So they look at all these spreadsheets after every race, who went fast and who went fast where, right? If you're fast to the 60 foot, typically it is a turbo car or not a turbo car, a, a nitrous car or a blower car because they are typically light. They're very fast reacting and they're, they're, I don't want to say easy because none of the shit is easy, but it's easier to make them go fast to the 60 foot, right? The turbo cars are typically faster to the 330 um, or, or the 330 to the 660 with a back split. So you have cars that are naturally fast up front and slower out the back. And you have cars that are naturally slower up front and fast out the back. And you have to look at them across the average. So even though I am a turbo diesel, uh, um, you know, combo with nitrous, I actually kind of fall in with the other turbo cars because of the way the car behaves and all that stuff. I'm essentially a turbo car, nitrous assisted, right? Um, so in order to, to make it fair racing for everybody else, when, when it's recognized that my car makes way more power per pound than the other cars do, that has to be reeled back in. So, um, you know, you, one could say like, Oh, well let them, let, let, you weigh what those guys weigh but the problem is i can't get that light you know a turbo fox body with an aluminum v8 might come in at 2900 pounds there's not enough titanium carbon fiber or methamphetamine in the world to get me and my race car down to 2900 pounds unless i take the damn transmission out or something you know at the end of the day this is a steel body 69 nova with a, a, a cummins in it with a crankshaft that weighs 125 pounds you know so like um, and, and then it boils down to with no nitrous at all, I can't spool the turbo. It becomes a useless race car. I can't even do burnouts because my turbo is so damn big. It makes no torque. I have to use nitrous to at least spool up. So what we're trying to accomplish is me as a racer is I'm trying to get my weight down. So I'm, so I can be competitive with those guys at their weights. And John Sears is trying to take the appropriate amount of power adder away from me so that the racing is fair, not only for me, but my competitors. So it really comes down to who has the best setup, who can go A to B in varying conditions, and who can cut the best reaction time. Not the guy who spent the most money and has the most horsepower. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm racing nitrous cars, procharger cars, other turbo cars. Uh, Eric Laferriere is out there with a 2JZ. You know, there's some other unique combos, but we all need to fit inside of this box. So when they take when they take power away from me or when they add weight to me, it is not hurting my feelings. It is actually flattering to me. It's like I giggle. I think it's funny <laughs> because all these guys two or three years ago are now eating crow that are saying that were saying that my motor wouldn't make power and this is stupid and that combo is dumb and now I've got people asking me, you know, you get guys coming over and like tap me on the shoulder, like, "Hey Ryan, what's um, it's out of curiosity, like, what, how, what does that cost?" And, and if I wanted one, like, 
what's that look like? I'm like, yeah, you see what's going on. <laughs> so, you know, I'm out here trying to come and power the world and uh, we're making progress, you know, slowly but surely we're making progress. It makes a lot of sense to be able to take, I guess, to make the, the race about those things you mentioned versus who can crank the most power out and, you know, just yeah, kind of have it be it becomes a race of the checkbook. Yeah. You know, so you, you have to, if you if you just let the checkbooks run away with the class, then your sportsman and budget minded racer can't compete. So if you want to spend money in the race car, fine, put your shiny wheels on it, polish, pretty paint, whatever. But, you know, X275 at the end of the day is supposed to be a working man's class. Like you shouldn't have to have a three hundred thousand dollar operation to come race this class. And that's the that's the purpose of it. Um, although it has gotten incredibly fast. You know, uh, when I first started racing X275 back in 2017, um, I was qualifying top 10 with passes in the 450s, you know, and and I thought I was king shit back then. And then people were running 40s and it was like, holy shit. And you get a car in the 30s and you're like, it's how are we going to recuperate from this? Now, if you're not running mid bottom teens, you're not going number one. If you go number one, you're not going to hold on to it. And it's hasn't happened yet that I know of that these cars have ran four O's, but based on the rate of acceleration in the class and how fast we're going, I would say this time next year, or possibly by the end of next year, there's going to be X275 cars that are running 399 and faster, which 10 years ago, the very fastest drag radio class that exists, radio versus the world, was going like 460s. You know, now they're running 350s, 340, I think they've been. You know, like... How fast can you go and how much can you take away from us? And we still keep figuring out how to go faster. Yeah. So it's fun, you know, and you get people that complain that, oh, they're always changing the rules and they're always this and they're always that. And all they're, all the rule makers are trying to do is keep the class where it's supposed to be. Because just because you limit a guy from using this blower and now he's got to use this smaller blower, he will figure that out right same thing with me you took some turbo stuff away you took some nitro stuff away and yeah it hurt it took me a while to figure it out bradenton my race in january was basically a throwaway shit show because i i couldn't figure out my combo and then i come to this race and enough testing and back to the drawing board and you know on the scales and all that stuff we figured it out so um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, at the end of the day, when they put rules on me, it's as long as they're usable, and I say usable, like if you're going to give me a weight break, give me a weight break that I can actually get to. Um, for reference purposes, I have 80 pounds of lead in the car right now. So if he were to give me a 200 pound weight break, where the hell am I going to pull 120 pounds off of? Like what parts am I going to unbolt off the car that aren't necessary to go down the track that yeah. weigh 120 pounds? I, there's nothing. I can't take anything off. So, um, well, and that's what we're, that's why we're trying to shop for some carbon doors. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. You know, there's no reason to get bent out of shape. Um, 
if we're running away from the class, it's for a reason. Um, I'd rather be running away from the class because our chassis setup, suspension, uh, tune up and all that stuff is perfect. Not just because I can afford more horsepower than the next guy or because my combo can make more horsepower because the rules limit them and not me. You know, I want to be on a level playing field and I want to win the race, win the races and rounds correctly, not because I've got an unfair advantage. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not interested. Do you think, I'm thinking back to how, like diesel truck performance and racing and how for a really long time it seemed like whoever could spend the most and invest the most in it would go fast. And that was kind of mm -hmm. the way that it worked. <clears throat> but in an environment that you're in or, or what that class is, it seems much more about calculation, strategy, yep. setup, all those sorts of things where you were talking about going like 460s to maybe one day 399s. So instead mm -hmm. of throwing money at it, you're throwing intelligence, experience, strategy, yeah. all those kind we of are, things. You know, we've, uh, I mean, people might look at my operation and say that, oh, that's a, that's a high dollar operation. And in the grand scheme of things, it is. But we've, this, I've also been building on this operation for 15 years. So, you know, when, when your sportsman racer uh, takes his, his stock street tires off that he's index racing this truck with and is able to sell them for 400 bucks and put a drag radial set on for 1200 bucks. Right. And then, and then the next year he's able to sell this turbo for 500 bucks and put the next biggest turbo on it, you know, for 800 bucks. Cause he saved up a little bit. That's what I'm doing. That's how I'm, that's how I have what I have. Right. Everything is, is accumulated, right. It's not, if you were to, if you were to turnkey fund my operation today from scratch, it would be a terrifying amount. Like, I don't, I don't even want to think about it, but you know, you, you put in a grand here, 1500 bucks there, save up some good money, sell some stuff and buy these parts for $3,000 and you end up, you end up where you're at here. Right. So, but at the end of the day, we, there are still people that come in and just try to write a check to go fast. And while that can work, if you can afford the people with the brains to do, to go with you, right. And, and be at your beck and call, but your best chance at winning one of these races is to have, I have, I call it brains over budget. Um, and, you know, we've had some experiences with people in the past that, like I said, want to come in and just write a check. And, you know, that works to get you the hardware, but you still have to know how to drive. You still have to know how to tune. You still have to know how to read the race surface for varying conditions. You still have to, you know, pay attention to the um, updated rules and, and, you know, as a, as a racer, we're always looking for the next advantage. What, you know, whether it's changing gear ratio or, or changing the tire pressure or, Hey, you know, I think if we took two clicks out of the back shocks, it would do this, but, you know, I'm afraid to try it. F it. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Um, and, and if you're just that guy that wants to write checks and come in and, and just dominate, like you better be prepared to write a lot of really big checks to a lot of people because it takes either a small group of people who are very dedicated and intelligent or a whole lot of people, you know, or, or, or a people that you got to pay a lot of, if that makes sense. Um, so, I mean, there was a guy in the finals, um, this weekend, uh, I wouldn't consider him a big budget racer. Uh, I've watched him, you know, he was a competitor in the class. He had to park the car for a couple of years and, you know, came back out with some new parts and all that stuff. And he took that thing all the way to the finals. And this is a nitrous car. That's not a big money operation. I mean, it's not cheap, but compared to some of the other guys we're racing against, like the guy that was in the finals was, you know, that hometown guy that's 
that's one of those brains over budget kind of guys. So um, you either, you either got to have one or the other. And if you have, if you have both, then you're, you've got a hell of an advantage. I, I thought of a question to ask you and, and I don't, I don't know. So I really need your opinion on this. When I was watching that live feed, man, the stands were packed. Everything was packed. There was no gaps in the bleachers. Yep, Would you? It was, it was busy on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Would you attribute that towards the fact that these, the, this race is set up to where you can have that hometown guy who does invest money in the vehicle, but he's not riding. It's not a three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar, even more yep. type of build that's maybe unattainable. Or is it because yep. people are more interested in gas? performance because it's more common or what would you say results in those stands being filled well i think people are there for two reasons number one is excitement which at a drag radio race you're gonna find excitement there's wheel stands there's people they're not at this race thankfully but um you know south georgia motorsports park has the 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 moniker of the house of flying cars because these drag radio cars are so light so fast so powerful that they're going down a track and they get a little bit of wheelie going and they drive into wind right and the wind catches the underside of the car and they just fly like, like a paper airplane. And they're just, you know, there's multiple pictures of cars flying over the walls and all sorts of crap at, 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 at a South Georgia motorsports park uh, and, and, and these type of races together. But another big thing I think is the ability for fans in the stands to relate to cars on the track. My car is a 69 Nova. It is a steel roof and quarter VIN number, original doors, 69 nova car that me random diesel guy stuffed the cummins into and i just keep going back for more beatings and eventually it started working right so people follow me on facebook and they follow my my stuff and you know if they don't live too far from south georgia and they know i'm coming they're gonna make their way out there and and, and it's not just me it's every other racer out there has a story you know most of these cars out there are real race cars real cars that started off whether it's a a 240SX, a New Edge Mustang, a 69 Nova, uh, um, you know, a 69 Camaro, whatever. They're real cars that you can see in your dad's barn. You can see riding on the road still these days. Um, and that's why I think you get such an attendance at these kind of races. And I'm not knocking top fuel or any of that stuff, but as cool as all that is, I don't really have the desire to go see a top fuel race whether it's funny car or dragster because i can't relate to it it's really cool and it's really loud and it's something that everybody should do once in their life is go sit near the start line at a top fuel race and just feel the you know the thunder on your chest as they go by but as as your average gearhead i can't relate to that you know a ten thousand horsepower screw blown hemi inside of a lawn dart is not something that i can relate to at all right yeah. where these guys can come to these radio races or even the no prep races the no prep races you're seeing normal cars Dwayne mills is out there with his you know um camaro and it, that his daughter drives um and they're real cars doing you know so these guys can leave these races inspired and go home and ask their uncle or their dad to dig that old car out of the garage and, and start working on it and and it's relatable you know um, it's like the difference of going to a monster truck show while those are cool and it's entertaining and it's loud. Like I'd rather go to the local mud races up here by me that they host throughout the summer and go watch those. Cause it's the local guys riding around in, in 1500 Chevrolets with, with, with headers sticking out of the hood and stuff. And it's just, it's guys I know and it's, and you can follow them and, and, and if it's relatable. So 
that's why I think these races do so well. Um, and every racer has a story. Every racer has their fan base. And, you know, just like at a football game, you got the Browns and whatever other team, right? You got everybody wearing fans jerseys and their faces are painted. And I mean, people don't go to the track with their face painted, but you see Hardway racing t-shirts around, you see, um, you know, everybody's supporting their favorite racer. And it's, it's just, it's really cool. And the fans are, the fans are awesome. The, uh, the race this weekend was packed. They said it was record attendance. Uh, I, I will say it was much busier than it has been in previous years, but I don't think this last weekend trumped lights out seven when the street outlaws came and we had, uh, there was standing room only. They were letting no more people in the gate. People were literally parking somewhere else and climbing under the fence to get in the track because they wouldn't let them in the gate anymore. And cars were backed up down I-75 to get into the racetrack. That was a madhouse. And I was there that year. It was, if you wanted to watch the race, we were sitting in our pits with our iPad watching the race on a live stream in the pits and you could hear the cars going down the track and we'd all look around the iPad to see <laughs> what just happened because there was nowhere that you could stand and see the racetrack. Like the bleachers were slam full. The hill on the side was slam full. Everybody's standing on top of their trailers. The starting line was a zoo of people. Like that was, that was insane. This wasn't quite that bad, but it was busy. What, when I think of, like the diesel truck side or the performance side of it, I think it being relatable was what really made it take off was you could, you know, get this truck and you could get these parts and you could go have fun with it. And I'm curious what you think about, do you think that's being done currently for the people who do have like a five, nine Cummins and they want to take it out to test and tune, or they want to do those things. Is it relatable on that side anymore? Or has it gotten to the point where it's hard to identify with some of the, setups or the competitions that are out there the diesel racing side of it you know you have you have the pro level vehicles you have the the levon millers and the and the derrick roses and um you know justin ziggler's and all that stuff which are gutted purpose built you know billet block aftermarket ecu competition vehicles and those aren't really relatable to the average joe but then you have, you know, all the guys in a sportsman class and which can be anybody. I can take my 21 Ram out there that's covered in pollen and bird poop and go <laughs> enter the sportsman class. And if I can cut a light, I can go rounds. Um, and same thing with, you know, the 770 index and 670 index and all that. Now you're getting heads up racing, which these guys can go out and compete in. Um, I do see sort of a, a barrier that we're going to have to overcome over the next couple of years as all of the pre-emissions vehicles that we've all been using as competition vehicles aren't, they're getting old, you know, like a 2006 Ram. I mean, that's a 17 year old truck now. Right. So they're, they're becoming rusty, harder to find. People are wadding them up and leaving them in junkyards. And you know, that's, it's kind of a dying breed where, the emission systems that we've put on these trucks over the past couple of years, since 2007 to, you know, really, well, 2007 to 12 was, for the Cummins at least was kind of a dark era. Um, people were removing the emission systems, not because it was a cool thing to do, but because the trucks wouldn't function until you removed that stuff, right? But the new model year trucks, the 13 to 18s, are were a big leap. The 19s and newer are a tremendous leap um, in advantages over the older trucks. 
Um, and it, it will only be a matter of time until we have fully emissions intact trucks with a, at a turbo compound setup and um, you know a set of aftermarket injectors that's all the way mapped in 50 state legal 50 state legal tuning and all this stuff where there's no reason we can't make 650 700 horsepower out of one of these newer trucks that you can ride down the road again and that's what it's going to take i think to reignite the the fun that we all used to have with these older trucks before all the you know federal regulations really bogged them down yeah that so, was well, that was the part that pulled everybody in is you could have that daily driver yeah. and maybe haul well, something back in, the, back in the heyday it was cool man you could buy a 2007 ram with a with a 5.9 cummins stop in at your local diesel performance shop throw a smarty on it a set of 90 horse injectors a silver bullet and whether you liked it or not you were about to put a transmission in it because as soon as you pulled out of the parking lot with all those parts bolted on a stock transmission your transmission goes black right <laughs> and you know so this kept the aftermarket busy this kept transmission business companies in business you know all these companies that did turbo stuff and, and injectors and everything just flourished and then you know the new emission regulations come out and um you know a lot of people still did all that stuff with those trucks you know but as we all know last couple of years you can't do that unless you want to end up in prison so now we have to figure out how to have fun without going to jail so yeah. that's that's what leads me into my next phase of my business here at Hardway is uh, I basically had to split Hardway up into Hardway racing and all of the competition stuff that we do. So I still do trackside competition stuff. I still do tuning. I still, you know, based on what ECM you have, as long as it is a not registered street vehicle for legitimate competition use only. And if you're one of those guys that wants to jump in my inbox and say it's for off-road use only, no, it's not, Billy Bob. You're going to drive down a road and try to blow smoke at people. Get out of my inbox, right? So, but the real competition vehicles, I still support wholeheartedly. I'm at the races. I'll be at every ODSS race there is this year. I'll be at UCC. I'll be at, you know, some sled poles and stuff here and there. And that is what we do, right? The other side of my business for street vehicles, um, we are focusing on 49 and 50 state legal uh, calibrations, power packs, and all that stuff. And um, I've got a bunch of paperwork uh, out there right now waiting to get approved and stuff, waiting to get tested and all that. And um, in the very, very near future, I'm hoping before summertime, um, you will see a whole new Hardway Performance uh, website we've already been working on um, and all sorts of stuff coming out where it, it is my goal to make diesel performance fun again. But without the fear of the feds looking over my shoulder and me going to jail because I did it the wrong way. Right. Yeah. So we had to take a step back. We took our lashings from the EPA. You know, you and I have talked about that on the podcast before and I had to make a decision. It's either, it's either quit and go find something else to do, which in my life, I am a bomb technician in the military in my former life. Right. So that's my number one life skill. Number two life skill is I can make Cummins go fast. I'm not going back to number one. I don't think my wife will let me. So <laughs> common stuff is what I'm going to do. And this is where I'm staying. So um, there's a lot of really big stuff in the works with that, um, with uh, emissions intact stuff, just because we have a, a DPF on the truck or the, or that you have to use urea, um, you know, to pass your smog and all that stuff does not mean that we still can't make power and have fun with these trucks. Um, and that's what uh, myself and some of my close friends in business fully intend on doing over the next several months. 
it's about three years ago <clears throat> i was chatting with uh, a guy who runs one of the big uh diesel sites out there and um he said we were talking about diesel performance and he said if there's any hope of it continuing or being exciting or not just getting shelved it's some company has to go out there with emissions intact and they need to go race it and they need mm -hmm. to show that it's going quick yep. you know it's not going to yep. be nines or anything you know right now but they need to do it and that's what i've really been excited for for three years is to see how is this going to come to fruition when are we going to start to see these trucks go out there and do it and i think back to what you said about the race car and writing checks or doing it with brains and the techniques and the strategies you have to use with your car and i think that is going to be tremendously helpful on the emissions side because you have to think outside of the box it's not like sure. the old days or how it would be with a you know pre-07 and a half yeah, truck. You, can't, you can't just take one of these new trucks and slam a big set of injectors on it a huge honking turbo and enough billet parts and a transmission that it don't break and expect to just go do stuff like yeah. that will not work so the new diesel performance era the brains and the budget will definitely be separated like there will be a true divide so you won't just have intelligent people you know um what i'm trying to say here you won't just have people with a whole bunch of money able to just show up and just slam parts on and go do stuff like you have to have the right calibrations to go with that. And it has to be done correctly. The way that myself and some of the other calibrators that are tackling this project, like Corey Willis, uh, super good homie of mine, um, you know, we have to look at these, at these vehicles as, we have to look at these vehicles as if I was a Cummins calibration engineer and it was my job to make this truck have 500 horsepower from the factory, but still maintain factory emissions and pass all these rules, how do I do that? So you don't just go into a fuel table and max it out and go into a rail pressure table and max it out. Like that's the way that it was done in 2003 when we first started plugging into these common rail trucks, right? You cannot do that now. You have to treat every application as if you are an OEM engineer. You have to fully understand what every table does and how it affects the emission system, what the emission system is looking for as far as settings and temperatures and all that stuff to function. And you have to operate within all of these parameters or you will cause tremendous detrimental irreversible problems to the emission systems um and uh and like you mentioned earlier don't be surprised i don't think it'll happen this year because i got a lot on my plate but we have every intention in the world of doing an emissions intact vehicle that we plan on taking racing with us to odss events um and we will put it in the fastest class that it can compete in and we'll probably start in sportsman and, you know, we'll work our way up to 770. If I can get an emissions intact truck, you know, with a factory-based automatic and all that stuff to go 670, then I'll put a roll bar in it and we'll keep playing. Um, and we'll just keep figuring it out until, until we find the limits. And when we find the limits, we'll figure it out and go around them too. Um, yeah, that's where, the, well, that's where the excitement will be. And that's what I want to see. I want to see the stands like I saw last weekend on the live feeds. I want to see that for a relatable vehicle. Um, his most conversations I have with either enthusiasts that come on the podcast or some of you guys that own companies and do things, it all started with one truck that you guys saw mm -hmm. someplace that you went out and bought the same thing and decided yep. to play with it. And you used it for work. You drove back and forth and you took the family someplace. Yep. And that's really, I think, like you said, that's where the aftermarket flourishes. I mean, I remember yeah. way back when in my former life, 
when there was a company that didn't do tuning anymore, I noticed a dip in people who didn't need transmissions. I don't remember if it was a month that it lasted yep. or longer. Oh no, it's but we're, they we're breaking them. there because because it all starts at the, the it all starts at the tuning, right? The tuning is the is the easily attainable apple on the tree. It's the low hanging fruit, right? Yeah. So because you know a transmission is what ten thousand dollars now. Um, uh, you know, to do a, a ported cylinder head is $3,500 to do all this, but you can buy a tuner for a thousand bucks and add 120 horsepower to your truck. Right. So you get the tuner and it's like, um, you know, I'm not into the drugs and stuff, but I assume it's like doing drugs. You know, you get that first little whiff and you're like, man, that's badass. How do I, how do I do more? You know, how do I find, how do I get that next level? Um, either that or you break the transmission because you're out utilizing all 500 horsepower and doing burnouts and stuff. So then you buy a transmission that, you know, now the transmission shop's getting paid, right? But well, now you've got to build transmission. So, I mean, the truck can make more than 500 horsepower. I saw it on Ryan's YouTube channel. So what if, what if I was to do his stage two setup, which makes 575 horsepower, or if I spend this extra money on this, it'll make 625, right? And before you know it, like, that's how that started for me back in 2007 and fast forward to 2023. Here I am drag racing a 3000 horsepower radial tire car with a Cummins in it against a bunch of gas cars, laughing at them when they tell me I make too much power. <laughs> so it starts at the tune. That's the first yeah. thing I did to my 2007 Ram. Yeah. Right. And then here I am. This is what I do for a living now. I don't, I, it's been a blur, but I think I like most of it. <laughs> Well, that's, that's what has me really excited. And <clears throat> that was a lot of the questions we had from your last podcast was, you know, Ryan had talked about these packages and these tuning, and I think how close you are with it, people are really going to be paying attention to it. So as you mentioned the new site, is it still going to be hardway performance? Like when you guys launch it with oh, this yeah. stuff? Yep. It's, it's still hardway performance. It's just built on a new platform. Um, <laughs> Zoom, this, what actually triggered the new website was how mad I was on Black Friday when my wife and I were out of town and we had all these Black Friday sales all advertised and all ready to go, right? Come Friday morning on Black Friday, website goes down. Oh man. We didn't fix it till Monday. Oh. We did zero Black Friday sales. So Monday I've talked to my web guy. I'm like, why does this happen? And basically it come down to, I have an old platform. It's buggy and it needs either a serious revamp or thrown away and start over again. So the new website is still hardware performance. It looks very similar to the, what we have now. Um, a lot less stuff on it. I'm not trying to be a business that like, I don't want to be an XDP or a turn 14 or, or, um, you know, uh, what's the other shop I'm looking at thing about thoroughbred, you know, where you can jump on and buy any part imaginable from any company out there, for any truck possible, right? I want Hardway to be focused on what Hardway does, which is Cummins Common Rail Performance. So when you go to our new website, um, you will basically be directed to either the competition side, which is going to get you to, you know, the big injectors, the big pumps, the, the big GT55, hearts, forced induction, turbos, you know, all the stuff that has nothing to do with the street, but it's how to make 1500, 2000, 2500, 3000 horsepower, pull in 3.0, pull in work stock, like all these combinations and, and parts and calibration, Motex services. You know, uh, since I came back from this race, I sold two Motex yesterday. 
based on how my car performs, you know, like, so all that stuff will be on there. And then on the other side of the website will be all of our street performance stuff that has to do with the Cummins. Mostly, mostly focused on the calibration part of it because that's what we do as a company. But I also want to offer Suncoast transmissions, fleece performance cheetah turbochargers, SNS diesel injectors, um, and injection components. Um, and, and everything on the street side will be 49, if not 50 state legal parts um, to include calibration, power packs, and, and all that stuff from a limited number of vendors that we, cho we chose to work with hand in hand and um, essentially, you know, as a team take over the world. So um, right now I have, I'm just going to throw some examples out there. Like you can buy like air dog filters and you can buy like head studs for a Duramax on my website. Like, and I just think it makes it too cluttered and it, it takes away from the stuff that I really want to be focusing on. So um, I don't want to be a little bit good at a lot of stuff. I want to be really, really good at what it is that I do. And that's, that's where the new hard way is going. It's very cool. And uh, now as far as people seeing when you launch this and these power packs come out, what's the best way to be able to see when they can go on the site, order them or call you guys? Is it going to be? I have, I have so much plans built up that you won't have to wonder when that happens. <laughs> I'm going to do everything short of knocking on your door and telling you that <laughs> like this. Uh, when I say this stuff is done, the power packs are done. We know the combinations. We've already done them, right? The tuning is done. I'm just waiting on and in line for the feds to test it and give me at least my 49 state legal. When that 49 state legal happens for my tuning, I'm like, I'm blowing up the world, right? Um, and all these other parts that we want to use, like uh, Fleece Performance has a ton of 49 and 50 state legal parts already. So all this stuff is done. We are literally waiting in line for some boxes to be checked so I can sell this stuff without the fear of doing it incorrectly again, right? So, um, you know, between between email newsletters, my social media, uh, well-placed ads that you're gonna see on every website out there that has nothing to do with diesels whatsoever, but there's hard way, right? <laughs> like you won't have to wonder, when my, when my testing certification comes back, you won't like nobody in the diesel industry will have to wonder like you you will be tired of hearing from me i promise you you know i'll bug you to come back on here and talk to me about them well that's fine i'll be uh i'll be probably ready to talk to somebody after after all that i'll be pacing back and forth just waiting to tell somebody well awesome man it was great to chat with you like i said i i, I was kind of glued to my phone watching the races and everything and i think the uh, topics we covered about the future of this and what you got planned are really exciting. So it's always great to chat with you. I appreciate your approach and really what you're doing for all of diesel with the, uh, the vision that you have. It's, it's going to benefit a lot of people. And I think ultimately it's the truck owner out there, the enthusiasts, the people who love these yeah. things. They're going to benefit. We got to make the most. this stuff fun again, man, for sure. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure to head on over to dmaxstore.com If you have a Duramax looking to keep it on the road as long as possible, make it perform. Um, you know, up to your expectations. The guys over there, that's what they specialize in from LB7 to L5P. Um, anything that you're looking to do to either improve performance or just maintain it, um, they've got a, a ton of different options for you, whether it has to do with the engine, transmission, um, powertrain, anything like that. Go to dmaxstore.com or hit them up at 
for my D-Max. Let them know that you heard about them on the heard about them on the Diesel Podcast, and uh, they'll make sure you get taken care of. Also, if you're in the market for a knife, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off code. Use code 20diesel at kershaw.kaiusa.com. Great way to save some money, get some cool gear if you need it for EDC or hunting, fishing, the outdoors. Um, they definitely got you covered, so no matter what your budget is, They've definitely got something for you. I'd also like to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen at 23 Diesel, John, Caleb, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who are on our Discord, our TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, listen to us on YouTube, podcast apps. You guys have kept us going for seven years. We've appreciated all your support and look forward to bringing you even more shows and content that you want to hear in 2023. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.